This is Up for Debate presents The Ballad of Rocky Balboa. Tonight, episode number 180, recorded May 21st, 2020. Chapter 3, Rocky 3. It's Rocky's greatest challenge to save his honor, his marriage, and his manhood against his most devastating and dangerous opponent. I'll bust you up. Go for it. Sylvester Stallone, Talia Shire, Burgess Meredith, Carl Weathers, Burt Young, and introducing Mr. T. Rocky III, an American tradition. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Up for Debate Presents, uh, the show that takes an in-depth look at classic boxing movies, or at least the series of them. I'm Sean Jennings, joined by the man who who's rocking kind of like the perfect Lego guy hair. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I, I I do. I know exactly what you're talking about. It fits with our theme, right? It's kind of a our little theme song from the Lego movie. Exactly. Well, uh, I, how are you doing today, Sean? I am, Matt. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to be here. How exciting is this? How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing just fine. Uh, I think that we could probably make the argument that you uh, you could you could be a Lego guy as well. I'm I'm seeing it. I gotta get. So I'm getting grays. That's the, I don't think you can. I don't think I'm in high enough death. But you can really see my grays as my hair grows out. Oh yeah, I, you know I'm I'm having that problem as well. I think that my my grays are kind of more pronounced. Yes, you have very dark because hair. Because of uh, the dark hair, yeah, that's uh, that's it's become it's become is- uh, an issue. It's become in- become interesting, but but that's Matt. That's uh, that's why they know. call I'm... you. That's why they call you the Italian stallion. Because you got oh, that I thick, you were say that the silver thick... fox. No, because you got that thick black Italian hair, like our pal yeah. Rocky. That's why they call yeah. That's uh, Rocky also has that that uh. The Mediterranean hair. He had great hair in this movie. Can I just say, in Rocky Three, not that I pay attention to these things too much, but he had that perfect, like, early 80s, like, super quaffed up, kind of puffy hair that was just out of control. He did. Yeah, that, that was, uh, I think, even on all the promotional stuff, you could see it. Yeah, that was sort of his, like, like, like formal, like, Rocky as a spokesman hair, like, Rocky in the suit hair. Um... And he, and he looked, you know, he looked like a million bucks. Yeah. Yeah, he, he looked he looked good in this one. Um, Matt, we've got the, you know, Rocky series. We've been going through these. We've already done the first two movies. We're now on to 1983's Rocky Three, the third in this franchise. Matt, you've gone on record as saying, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that this is your favorite Rocky film. That is correct. This is my favorite. Um, after doing a watch through, it only really confirmed that. Uh, uh, watching it recently for the show, this is my favorite Rocky film in the franchise. Well, then I would say, hey, kick it off for us. Where do we want to begin on Rocky Three? Sure. Um, well, uh, why? I guess to to sum it up. I think this one's my favorite because it was well Rocky himself he's kind of I guess to summarize his story up until this point he's reached the uh I wouldn't say the apex of his career but he's he's become a, a household name. No he he's the world uh, champion he's a, he's, it doesn't get any higher than that. He, that's right he's the world champion um he defeats uh, Apollo Creed in the previous movie securing uh his his uh, his title. Um, he's got fame. He's got endorsements. Everybody wants to. Everybody wants a piece of him, basically, in this movie. Everybody wants to uh, take pictures with him and have him sign stuff and appear at charity events. And um, so you think right off the bat, you're like, well, what what possibly could happen? You know, he he has really nowhere to go but down, so to speak. Um, and he uh, – can I just say that the, the beginning of the movie where he encounters – he has to do that like wrestling event. Or yes, the, uh, with, thunder, with thunder lips. Hulk Hogan um, in, a, in an important guest, guest starring role there. 
Uh, I thought that was one of the one of the coolest moments in uh, not only in the movie but in the franchise. I always I love that scene, um, and uh, I, I just like the I like the interactions between the two and just how theatrical Hulk Hogan is through the whole thing. Um, it's uh, it's um, I think it's it's also kind of goes to show that uh. Hulk Hogan, I think he wanted to, he like really wanted to be in this movie, if I remember the story correctly, but Vince McMahon said, no, you can't, you can't like, cause your, your character is owned by WWF. And, um, uh, I think he was actually fired for taking on this role to, for being Thunderlips in the movie. Uh, but I think the, the movie just did so well and, and gained such popularity that uh, uh, McMahon had to rehire him. Have you ever uh, have you ever seen Thunder in Paradise? Are you thinking of Tropic Thunder? No, I'm thinking of Thunder in Paradise, the uh, early '90s uh, cable TV show that was made by the people of Baywatch. So it was essentially a Baywatch ripoff, oh, except it starred Hulk Hogan. I have heard of this. Yeah, I've I've heard of this. I, I've never seen it, but yeah, it, um, it was yeah, it was kind of did it actually did it star the people from Baywatch? Is that um, it, it looks very very Baywatch esque. Yeah. Oh no, it's it's kind of in the same. It's vein. clearly a ripoff. Um, and it's a yeah. very odd, very funny show. If you, it only lasted one season. What's very funny to me about it was that it was shot at. Walt Disney World like they use like the lake at Walt Disney World to shoot it like it, it didn't take place at there it just shot there which which to me is very odd so anyway I didn't mean to get on a Hulk Hogan tangent but um, probably, a, probably you would think it's like a safe place to to shoot I guess I guess Disney wanted the promotion of <laughs> come see where Thunder in Paradise was filmed I don't know <laughs> yeah so was that that was after that was like early 90s that was early said. 90s yeah yeah because i think this is one of one of hulk hogan's earliest roles. i believe it's his earliest it, is it, yeah it might have been his first yeah. yeah i feel like it was his first it was also the first role of um not only hulk hogan it was also the debut of the uh i guess the villain in this movie the the antagonist mr t as clubber lang Yes, the uh, infamous clubber, the infamous clubber Lang, um, Mr. T's filming debut. Uh, this Sean Clubber Lang is, I would say, like, oh, it's it got to be like eighty-five to ninety percent of the reason that I love this movie so much. Just, just, just love him as as a. a a villain as an adversary to to Stallone, an adversary to Rocky. Uh, I think he takes the cake in my mind. He he, he replaces uh, Drago. He replaces uh, Creed. Well, Creed, it's it's kind of difficult because Creed I see more as like a rival. Yeah, of, I of Rocky. I think this is the first time we get like a a real bad guy image on like the the opponent of Rocky in this one. Yeah, I mean, he's so clearly a bad guy, but he's a bad guy you love to hate. You know, it's like, yeah. you don't hate him simply because he's bad. You hate him because he's insane and he's given shit to Rocky. I think that's, he, he brings a lot of uh, energy and enthusiasm and makes the character less cookie cutter and more unique. Yeah, he. I mean, he the, just all the things that he... Uh... <laughs> all the things that he says throughout this movie, just the list of the quotes, just uh, uh, the, his his whole per whole persona, Clubber Lang's whole persona in this movie, it makes me think I'm watching some kind of just uh, wrestling anime where the where the bad guy is so over the top and just so so extra. He's almost almost like like comically overdone but at the same time a great adversary you know one of the the strongest definitely the strongest opponent that rocky has had to fight so far uh you're talking about great uh, clubber lang quotes but uh you know when 
uh, this is when he's uh, they're at the this I believe at the statue ceremony and he confronts Rocky. And he goes, "Get out while I can! Don't give this sucker no statue. Give him guts. I told you I wasn't going away. You got your shot. Now give me mine." And then Mickey says, why don't you get the <laughs> hell out of here? And Clubber Lang goes, shut up, old man. I ain't going nowhere. Why don't you keep all these nice folks while you've been ducking me? Politics, man. This country want to keep me down. Keep everybody weak. I don't want me to have the title because I'm not a puppet like that fool up there. I mean, just the great, the great lines. In those nice short little sentences. Yeah, he's he. I think they when they wrote Clubber Lang, it's like they took the character of Apollo Creed and made him more bitter. They they added like this bitterness or this this edginess to him, uh, in the in the sense that Apollo Creed is you know fighting from a obviously as a minority, fighting from a place of of, uh, of the underdog as a as a place of overlooked by and uh, overlooked and taken advantage of by society, uh, and and he's trying to almost regain power back for himself. Uh, Clubber Lang is like that, but, but, you know, times, times 20. Well, I think, you know, uh, uh, I think when any franchise film franchise gets later and later into the later movies, they have to get crazier. You have to, you, it's always one upsmanship. So Apollo Creed is good for the first movie, good enough for the second movie. But by the time you get to the, I mean, in the fourth movie, he fights the Soviet Union, like, Clearly, they have to keep one-upping themselves, so you have to bring in a charismatic, over-the-top boxer. Like, Apollo Creed, I would believe that person would really exist in boxing in reality. Mr. T, I don't believe, would ever actually exist in reality. And so that's, I think that's where this series goes. Same with Ivan Drago, who I'm like, I, that's not a real guy. Um, now, Matt, do you know how Mr. T was cast in this role? Uh, no. What, wh how was he cast? Do you mean like why, why they cast Mr. T? Yes. Yeah. Uh, in 1980, Mr. T was spotted by Sylvester Stallone while he was taking part in NBC's America's Toughest Bouncer Competition, a segment of NBC's Games People Play. Although his role in Rocky III was originally intended as just a few lines, Mr. T was eventually cast as Clubber Lang. Oh, I could see that. I, I did not. I, I really didn't know that he was a bouncer. I could absolutely see that, though. Bet he was one of the best bouncers there was for oh, sure. Oh, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't <laughs> want to cross him. One of the best bouncers ever. Um, yeah, talking about Clubber Lang quotes. The one that I was thinking of in my head was um, when he turns to Adrian uh, in um, before the fight, and he says, "Hey, woman. Hey, woman. Listen here." Since your old man ain't got no heart, maybe you like to see a real man. I bet you stay up late every night dreaming you had a real man, don't you? I tell you what, bring your pretty little self over to my apartment tonight. I'll show you a real man. And then, like, Rocky just goes nuts. You want it? You got it. I'll see you in the ring. That Like, like that's the, the tipping point for Rocky is, is somebody else calling out Adrian, but... And we kind of talked about in the in the first show. Could you see could you see Rocky saying something very similar to Adrian, like while they were courting or or prior to their courtship? Interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way. I don't know. It just. I mean, that was kind of your characterization of uh, Rocky as this, like you know, I, I'm going to take take what I want kind of guy and uh i mean in this situation i think i think clubber lang was was more or less just doing it to taunt rocky um but yeah i don't know but it's also part of that argument throughout the entire film of you know who's hungry who who who's got the most yeah, hunger yeah. to them and clearly as, as you've pointed out i mean clubber lang has essentially replaced that uh is the rocky in that role as we saw in previous movies um where he had an appetite for victory um, and what he has to work towards. So it's an interesting reversal. Is this, you could probably answer this better than I could being a, uh, a 1970s and eighties mm. TV and movie aficionado. Okay. You are. Um, is this where the, um, I pity the fool comes from, uh, Mr. T's ca classic, uh, catchphrase. Uh, 
He says it once in the movie. I, I counted it. It does. I was waiting for it. I, I, in my memory, I thought he said it like a bunch of times. I thought that was like his catchphrase, but it was more from the. I think it was more from the TV show. It was more from the eight the eight team that he the he kind of made that phrase famous. Uh, nope, it absolutely comes. You're under, it comes from this movie. No, I don't hate Balboa, but I pity the fool. That's what he says. Uh, yeah. Yes, that's that's the uh, the the lie. I was waiting for it, and I was like, "There it is, there it is." He said it. Now I was wait. That was in the beginning of the movie. I, I was waiting for it to come up like more often, but he doesn't say it again after that. Yep. No, I mean this is a, you, you know this movie is essentially his first real acting role. You know. Yeah. Or is that is that, that kind of like the uh, I, there's a name for them, but like beam me up, Scotty. Or Luke, I am your father. Things that people misquote. They they often think that they're said in in movies, but they're not. Mm. There's a name for them, but is that is that the case of this? Like, is he really? Does he really only say it this one time, and then people just tag that phrase to him as like a almost I, like a stereotype? No, because I think what it was like. Did he say it in A Team a lot? I don't know because I'm watching a lot of A Team, but I do know he used it in commercials, and he you know he made it his. So it's not that he said it that one time in Rocky Three, and we all know it. He talked about it a lot. Okay. <laughs> I'm just I'm sorry I'm just reading more Clubber Lang quotes I'm the baddest man in the world Rocky you don't look so bad to me Clubber Lang what did you say paper champion I'll beat you like a dog a dog you fool but that this is what I loved about Apollo Creed in the second movie is when when Apollo Creed talks trash or he even does it a little bit in the first movie um I love that sort of angle of just talking smack. And I think um, Apollo Creed, in the first movie, they interview him as he's coming out of the airport and he says, kids stay in school, get an education, you know, sort of like that, like over the top boxing character. I'm such a fan of and Mr. T does it to a T pun intended, um, which was, which was real. I mean, I think Mr. T was, was really one of the best, absolutely one of the best parts of this movie. Indeed. And by the way, when he says that paper champion in the movie, I thought he said pepper champion. So I was like, why is he calling Rocky a pepper champion? Did he like eat hot peppers or something? What did you say to that. me? Paper champion? Pepper champion? It's like, what? Yeah, I definitely thought he said pepper champion. Um, Matt, I, I'm looking over my notes here from the movie. Um, I definitely loved the... Um, you know, maybe it's a little cliche now, maybe it's not, but the turn of Apollo Creed from enemy, well, as you said, I think rival's probably a better term, to mentor and teacher, I think was really good in this movie. And I think the interplay between Rocky and Apollo is awesome. I wrote in my notes, um, a Rocky Apollo buddy cop series would be amazing. Um, I, I thought they were oh, a lot yeah. of a lot of fun together. Yeah, they they've got they've got great chemistry, the two of them, Rocky and uh, Stallone and Chubbs. <laughs> yes, great chemistry. Yeah, exactly. And I think I, I didn't so much. So a big part of the movies they go out to California. They got to go back to where it started for Apollo Creed, which I think is kind of shouldn't Rocky go back to Philadelphia and go back to where he started? But okay, um, they go out to California, and then there's as I write in my notes, Polly being vaguely racist is annoying. Um, where Polly kind of makes jokes about like jungle music and, um, uh, generally not talking about black people nicely, which I thought was kind of, I mean, I know it was the early eighties, but I didn't, I didn't care for it. Yeah. Usually if you include a character that, I mean, especially it's such a, during such a volatile time period. If you include a character that has like these racial proclivities, I think you would you would want to you would want them to change by the end of the movie so that they're like less racist or they've turned over a new leaf or there's a new side to them. Polly just stays racist for this whole movie. I don't think he really, you know, he he says I don't like these people, referring directly to African Americans. Rocky says you don't like them. Well, maybe they don't like you either, Polly. And then Polly says, what did I ever do to them? So I think maybe maybe he's – is he supposed to be like an idiot? Like is he supposed to be like 
Look at this dumb guy who's who's a racist. But even so, I I think that the the main thing that you're doing, if you're making a family friendly movie in 1980, you want to you want to have a racist character like do a 180 by the end of the movie and be like, like, I'm not racist anymore. I've realized the error of my ways. But that just never happens. I think if I have to purely speculate, you got to remember this movie written and, and direct. Was it written and directed by Stallone or just written by? I believe, yeah, it was written and directed by Stallone. Um, I, I think to me, R- Polly exists to make Rocky look good because I think you put a character like that in a movie so Rocky can be the guy who's like, racism is bad. Don't do that. Like to make Rocky look better. Like to me, that's. And Polly throughout the at least the first three movies has been a great guy for that where it's like Polly does the stupid thing and Rocky's like it's okay you know don't I'll be the good guy and you can be the stupid guy and it makes Rocky look better that's my pure speculation yeah but even even Rocky is kind of nonchalant like even he's kind of lukewarm about like obviously Rocky is not a racist but there's no point in the movie where he turns to Polly and is like your behavior is not okay Right. But then again, I guess it's not really it's not really in Rocky's character to do that. Yeah, he is um, a pretty a pretty chill guy. <laughs> is it yeah. Um I, I did write uh, in my I just can't I just had <laughs> to laugh because like it's you know, imagine a part in the movie where Rocky turns to Polly and he goes, Polly, my friend, your behavior is frankly unacceptable. <laughs> your racism is uncalled for and unprovoked. And I would really appreciate it if you tone it down and down just a little bit. Thank you. Polly. I understand <laughs> you're a victim of several generations of racial strife in this country, but... Socioeconomic hardship. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like, when Rocky get really smart? Must have been all those punches to but the I head. I've been doing some reading lately. Yeah. <laughs> Something jostled just the right way, and now Rocky is a social justice warrior. That is a movie I would watch. <laughs> Um, I did, although I did write in my notes here, cocky, confident Rocky is my favorite when he is, uh, at the Thunderlips fight, when he's very confident, when he's sort of pre first clubber length fight and he's confident, um, or even the awesome montage of like proving Rocky as a celebrity now where he's like on the covers of magazines and shooting commercials and stuff. Like, I like that Rocky, that Rocky was funny. That Rocky was appealing and that Rocky was cool. Um, and, and that was, I, I really did enjoy that little segment of the movie. Yeah. F- famous Rocky getting famous. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cr- uh, comical. Um, he's got, he, he's just got like all the attention all of a sudden, but he, I think he, it never, he never really lets it go to his head. Right. It doesn't really go to, um, it doesn't really go to, uh, his ego. It doesn't inflate his ego. He doesn't. He doesn't act all like high and mighty because of it. He's still the same old Rocky. And I think that's cool. Yeah. I mean, it never gets to the point where it damages his character, you know, because you could take a villain turn. And it, and again, maybe I keep going back to is this a Stallone thing where he's writing the character, he's directing the character. So is it like at no point is Rocky the bad guy? Because it's like, oh, Rocky's fights were fixed. It's Mickey's fault. Rocky had nothing to do with it. Oh, Rocky is is a cocky guy now. Yeah, but he's funny about it. You know, it's like at no point does Rocky in this movie ever. I mean, yeah, he gets beaten by Clubber Lang, but it's like, uh, but it's because his trainer just died. Like, you can't blame Rocky for that. You know, it's like at no point does Rocky do anything technically wrong, which is kind of weird. Yeah. He's uh, he just kind of he just kind of is who he is, I guess. Through the whole thing. Um, you yeah. haven't met the robot yet, right? No, no, I have not. That that comes in the next one. <laughs> Are you familiar with that? Because that whenever I think of the 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 pinnacle of the rags to riches for Rocky, to me is the the fur coats and the robot. I have seen the clip and I enjoyed the uh, the sort of semi parody in uh, Netflix's Glow um, with the drug robot. Um, which is sort of a, a take on that. Uh, if you've seen that yeah, series, we'll, we'll get to, we. I may be getting ahead of myself here, but it's uh, that's that's coming up around the bend. Oh, I'm very excited for Rocky Four. Um, I think 
you know, uh, one thing we should talk about in this movie, obviously, Mickey, uh, Mick, Mighty Mick, um, Rocky's trainer, father figure friend, um, has one of those movie-style heart conditions where he aggressively clutches his chest all the time, um, which I've never seen someone have a heart attack. I don't think that's probably how it works. Um but he gets sort of uh, he gets pushed around a little bit. He has it, and he says, "Rocky, you got to go out and fight." And then, uh, in a, in a like boxing sort of double punch, um, Rocky loses and Mickey dies dramatically. Rocky lies to him uh, on his deathbed and it says, uh, "You know, Mickey said, I knew you could do it." Um, very, very, were you touched by that moment, Matt? Uh, yeah, you know that's that is one of the sad moments for sure. Watching this movie. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's like Yoda in, uh, in Return of the Jedi. Now that a reference that you can now appreciate. Absolutely. The the mentor. Yeah. The mentor, the, the father figure, like you said, passing the torch, except we don't really see, um, we don't really see, um, you know, obviously Burgess Meredith isn't fading into the, uh, the force. He's not becoming one with the force like Yoda, um, uh, but Rocky does go and visit his gravesite later on. Yes, and yeah, I, I'd say that's the yeah, it's a pretty pretty gut wrenching, heart wrenching moment there. Uh, I will keep my fingers crossed because obviously I haven't seen any of the other upcoming movies. Um, I'm going to hope that he returns as a ghost, a force ghost, um, in in an upcoming <laughs> uh, in an upcoming film. So fingers crossed on that. Yeah, and he's he's still shouting things like "crap thunder." <laughs> yes, exactly. But only Rocky can hear him. Get uh, up your bum. Uh, Matt, uh, other things worth discussing in this movie. Um, you know, you talked about your love of this movie. Oh, what did I think of this movie? Um, I like this movie a lot. I think this movie for me, we talked about this with Rocky 1, where I said, of everything I know of Rocky, Rocky 1 is sort of like doesn't feel like all the sort of um, stereotypes or sort of um, parodies of Rocky. It seems kind of more like a boring drama film. This feels like what a Rocky movie should be, where it's like 70% montages. It's a clear over-the-top villain. It's funny in parts, action in others. Um, to me, this is what I, I finally have seen a Rocky movie where I'm like, oh, that's what a Rocky movie is supposed to be. And I feel sort of uh, very pleased by that. That this was much more up my alley um, than than the other ones. For me, I think the pinnacle of it. I mean, there were a lot of great moments in this movie, but I genuinely think the Thunderlips fight from start to finish, from the comedy of Rocky sort of trading funny barbs back and forth and sort of taking it jovially and hey, we'll, we'll just go out and have a good time. Thunderlips going crazy. I thought the whole fight was shot really fun, where they're out in the crowd and things are going nuts. Um, and then even at the end, when when he's talking with Thunderlips and says, uh, you know, and actually Hulk Hogan, very funny in that role, um, as, as uh, this quote from Thunderlips, to all my love slaves out there, Thunderlips is here in the flesh, baby. The ultimate male versus the ultimate meatball, he says, uh, which is a really fantastic <laughs> line. So um, I thought that was just a great example of, of just a fun moment in this movie. There were a lot of really fun moments in this movie so i liked it i liked it a lot that's good now i i heard rumors this this all just might be complete rumors but speaking of the of the thunderlips fight um there were rumors out there that hulk hogan was when he when he first went on to become a wrestler he was going to adopt the name italian stallion believe it or not hulk hogan is i think at least part italian a lot of people don't know that his his real name is Terry Bollea. It says Bollea. on Wikipedia he is of French, Italian, Panamanian, and Scottish descent. So there's a little Italian yeah. in there. So I think that that was I heard somewhere that he was that was a, a goal of it. Might have been a rumor. It might have been a uh, one of those things that stories that people tell. But thought yeah the Italian he was going to adopt the name Italians and he kind of thought that was. It was kind of coincidental or, or neat in a way, and that that might have been what sparked him to 
to appear in this movie, which, as we mentioned before, I confirmed that it did uh, it did jeopardize his career in pro wrestling for a while. Vince McMahon had laid him off and hired him two years later, uh, rehired him two years later following the popularity of Rocky three um, for appearing in the movie. I guess uh, it violated his contract or some, something like that. Yeah, past uh, listeners of the show may remember Vince McMahon as the man who sunk the XFL twice. So <laughs> We um, talk about Vince McMahon a lot on this show. It's a surprising it's, amount. It's, he's, a, he's a fascinating man. I mean, he's he's a billionaire. More he's a, on the uh, more on the um, more on the XFL to come, Sean. I will say. Well, we can talk more about it after the show, but I don't know if you've heard the latest news about it. It's all bad news, Matt. It's all bad news, and uh, yeah, we no, may- well, no, I I don't know. Rocky oh, two. I- this is like like it's like the end of Rocky one, where where he said where um. Apollo in the hospital room says there's not going to be a comeback and there ain't going to be no rematch. We we may be getting we may be getting a rematch here. The XFL. I don't know, Matt. If there's it's one possible. thing, if there's one thing I've learned from all of our research and everything I've read, it's that as long as they're stupid rich people, there will always be someone trying to make spring football a thing. So um, there will always be XFL that that will never end. Um. Let's see, Matt. Uh, uh, do you have any other uh, thoughts on on Rocky here? Um, I did. Oh, write... we can't. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. What did you write? No, I was just going to say, talking about the final the final fight. Uh, I wrote once again, Rocky's skill of getting hit a lot really comes in handy. Um, yes. Which is because I was finally like, you know, these films, they have these big training montages where it's like, oh, Rocky's getting really good at boxing. And then all the fights show us is he just gets punched a lot and the other guy gets tired and then Rocky hits him hard. <laughs> and like that's it's well, that's, in every that, movie. that's like his main strategy. But then why his, train his like crazy? Then why? Then what's the point of training like crazy? <laughs> then just like stand there. Take you know, it's a rope of dope. Just stand there and take the punches and knock the guy out. Like it's just it's it's annoying to me because especially with the second Clubber Lang fight in the first round, he's hitting him like crazy. He's punched him. He's, he's beating him up really good. And I'm like, finally, the training comes in handy. Knock him out in the first round. I would love it. Rocky gets a real win. And then in the second round, Clubber Lang comes and starts kicking his ass again. And I'm like, no, he's just going to win because he doesn't fall <laughs> down, which I guess is the point of boxing. So what do I know? Maybe his training montage should have featured like in, in, um, like in Happy Gilmore, where he's standing in the in the, you know, the uh, the pitch machine in the batter's cage. Yep. And he's just letting the ball hit him r- really hard, like over and over again. <laughs> I think that'd be great. That should just be his 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 uh his tra- part of his training is just like leaning in and and getting hit in the head with the with a sixty mile per hour fastball it's, over it's, and over again. It's like a rock with a rope and a pulley, and they just keep dropping it on his head over and over, and it's like, oh, <laughs> Rocky's he's looking great. He's still kind of conscious. Yeah. That that is ultimately how he defeats Clubber Lang in the end of the movie, is is just by just taking a ass load of punches. And uh eventually Clubber Lang just gets tired and it's called the famous rope a dope strategy, which is a real thing in boxing. Yes, uh, made famous by George and, Foreman uh, in his defeat of Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Um, so there you go. But Sean, we, we can't we can't move away from this episode without talking about one of the or if not the most iconic thing about this movie. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I know exactly. I don't think you know what I'm talking about. I know about. exactly what you're talking about. Probably one of my favorite things I... about this movie. What are you? What are you going to say? That it's got to be the Academy Award nominated theme song to this movie, "Eye of the Tiger" by Survivor. Oh. I thought you were going to say something completely. That was, was that not, what you were thinking? That was not the right answer. I was yeah, but that was that's exactly what I was thinking. Yes, the, <laughs> it was "Eye of the Tiger." What some, um, aka yeah, me, would consider to... one of the best songs ever written. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Sean, do you like this song, Eye of the Tiger? Is it one of your favorites? It's it's one of my favorites of all time. It's a, it's an absolutely incredible song. I was a fa- I've been a fan of this song for my entire life, and I've never seen this movie. That's how much I like this song. And frankly, Survivor, I have the best of Survivor CD. Survivor is a great band 
period. Name one other song by Survivor. Well, the issue is I could name other Survivor songs, but I I don't know if it's going to be helpful because you're not. I could just like make one up. Are you going to know any of the other Survivor songs? Uh, high Sean, on I you, pulled up their discography. I've got them. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, but they're, high on you is this love? Uh, the search is over. They they've had a lot of they more hits than you would realize. I think it's one of those things where if you heard it, you would say, "Oh, I didn't know they sung that." I don't know why I'm doubting you. This this is not this is not something I would doubt, Sean. Jennings Do you really want to challenge me on Survivor <laughs> trivia? 80s synth pop. Uh, this is definitely not not a not a fight that I'll win. So. No, they're uh, not a fight uh, that I can I can rope my rope a dope my way out of. They're they're immensely talented, um, and it's and like I said, it was an, an Academy Award nominated song in a in a pretty stacked year of um, uh, of songs that it was competing against, including uh, "It Might Be You," the theme from Tootsie, which is a great song, and being beaten by in the winner of the award, uh, "Up Where We Belong" from An Officer and a Gentleman. Another great song. Hmm. Yeah, classics, really. So up against some stiff competition. Yeah, you know, I was looking Did at the... Did you know, Sean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this, that the uh, the song was recorded at the request of Sylvester Stallone because Queen denied them permission to use Another One Bites the Dust. Yeah, isn't that great? That was what Stallone originally wanted to be the theme for Rocky III. Uh, yeah, which I think this is much better than Another One Bites the Dust. Oh, I agree. Um, you know, it, it was number one on the Hot 100 chart for six consecutive weeks um, and was the number two single of the entire year of 1982 behind Olivia Newton-John's Physical. It's It spent 15 consecutive weeks in the top 10, the second longest run of 1982. Highly successful. The band uh, of uh, Survivor won an award for best rock performance by a duo or group with vocal at the Grammy Awards. Great song. Yeah, this is uh, this is awesome. Fun fact: I used to um, I was a twerp in school, uh, in high school and middle school when I was a kid. And what I used to do for a couple years is I would do PowerPoint presentations. And on every power for a while, every PowerPoint presentation I would start with "Eye of the Tiger," and uh, I would play it, and I would advance the slides during that parts would be duh. Dun, dun, dun. And I would I would flip through the slides and it would be like dun 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 and it'd be like philosophers of the 18th century dun 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 dun. It was and people hated it. It was great. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm sure that you were you were the bee's knees for doing oh, that. Very unpopular. Or maybe you thought you were. But that's the other kind of weird thing about this song is how many times Apollo Creed says "Eye of the Tiger" in the movie, to the point where I was like. Did Survivor pay for product placement in this movie for him to say it? Like, he says it an annoyingly, weirdly, like, a lot. Yeah, he does. And I I, I hadn't noticed that until my most recent watch through. I, I, I didn't even pick up on the fact that he had said it at all, actually. But, yeah, he does say it quite a bit. He's like, you got uh, the eye of the tiger. You got the eye of the tiger. The thing was, I thought I thought he said it once, and then it, the other times was like Rocky remembering him saying it. Yep. But no, it's it's just he's like a broken record. He just keeps saying it. Like I'm, I'm just waiting for him to hold up like a Survivor album and say it at the same time. Um, like and, like like the single. He's got the single <laughs> in his hand. Like yeah, nope. buy the tiger, buy it. Now it's available at Sam Goody's and Virgin Records. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, and we'll. We'll talk about now for the record, Eye of the Tiger, great song. But Rocky Four has the best overall soundtrack, including Survivor's Burning Heart. They came back for the next movie, uh, which was a top five single as well. Um, but yeah, great, great song, great theme song to uh, to to this to this film. Uh, I did have a, a kind of a you know when I'm watching these movies, I write down notes, and I every once in a while I have like just like a super random side note. And I wrote this down. It's music related. Uh, at the scene where they unveil the Rocky statue at the museum, um, I wrote, isn't it weird that the marching band was playing Rocky's theme song from the movie? 
Like in yeah, the Rocky that, universe, just, is that an actual song that like Rocky is associated with? Because I thought it was just the theme song to the movie. I think that's it's one of those meta like callback <laughs> things. It was just it was just it that, was just one of those things where it's like, but then in Rocky's universe, like, did they make a series of movies about Rocky? It's a little jarring, I'll admit. It's it's kind of like if you were watching uh, Indiana Jones and like Harrison Ford's just like humming the theme song in the yes. cockpit, which, uh, yeah. Or, or, or if like, like somebody, somebody on board the, when the, the scene where they go on the, um, the, the, the blimp, the Zeppelin, if somebody's like humming it off, like it would just, it would be really, it would be really strange. You'd be like, what? Yeah. You're breaking I that think fourth wall. The Bond movies have actually done that quite a bit. Especially some of the oh, Roger Moore ones. There was, like, there was, what was the one with the snake charmer? And the snake charmer plays the Bond theme. Yes. Octopussy, maybe? Yeah, he maybe? plays the Bond theme. I think that might I, be I it. believe it was Octopussy, yeah. It's, I'm so bummed I remember that. Um, yeah, yeah yes, it, right. yes, it does. And I think Roger Moore gives him like a, hey, good song, or like some sort of record. <laughs> God, those movies. Uh, Roger Winks Moore. at the camera. <laughs> God bless him. God bless him. Yeah. Oh, well, um, my second favorite part, I mean, I think that really the three, my, the, just the three, my three favorite parts of the movie are easily the three most iconic parts of the movie. Uh, the beginning fight with, uh, Thunderlips, the middle the, or the late stage of the movie where he fights Clubber Lang. Um, and then at the end, uh, another great moment I, with uh, him and Apollo Creed in the ring. Yes, and they're they're gonna like fight again, and uh, I, I I always think that's that's a really cool way to end a movie. Uh, to to have the two of them in there, and then he's like, "Are we doing this again?" Like Rocky's like, "Yeah, we're doing this," and and that's kind of what's. What's weird about this movie is that, because, like, and the past Rocky movies have done this. They end in a freeze frame. You know, that's kind of like a signature happened in a lot of movies around this time. But this movie has, like, four freeze frames in it. Because they freeze frame at the very end. They freeze frame after the Clubber Lang fight. They freeze frame after Rocky's beach training montage. And I think there's one more I'm not thinking of. Like, it's too many freeze frames. Maybe that's just my complaint. Yeah, they do. They, but you get one at the uh, end. Like, that's how you end the movie. Like, you can't do a freeze frame in the middle of the movie, and then the movie just continues. Yeah, they were they, they were big on the freeze frames. Mm. Uh, that's, that was just just how I think that was, was just part of the style. But it was also, yeah, it was a little, a little unnecessary. I, I mean, I, I think for me, my favorite thing about this film was the montages. I, I, I really do. Because we've seen great b Rocky boxing matches before. We, you know, we've seen some of the, you know, a lot of this we've seen before. But God, those montages, and there were so many of them. There were so many montages in this movie. Um, and they were all that sort of like, that, again, that 1980s muscled up, greased up, short shorts on the beach, and they're running, and you know they're they're trained, they're in the gym, and you walk him in, he's crappy at first, and then he gets then he gets better, and it's man, I I love a good sports montage, and this movie was packed to the gills with it, so that that made me happy because that that always is uh is fun to watch. Uh, it was definitely a sign of the times. 1982. This is like like the height of montage, peak montage. Well, and it was this film was very 80s. A lot of big hair. Uh, pro wrestling makes an appearance, which was coming of age at this time. They go to an, uh, um, Paulie stumbles into an arcade at one point, and I'm like, this is so with a Rocky pinball machine. I'm like, this is so yep. 80s. <laughs> yeah, it only gets more 80s from there. Well, that's Rocky, that's what Rocky Four is also. Well, Rocky Four is arguably pinnacle '80s. Like, like it is an iconic '80s movie. Um, so I that's I'm excited for that. Uh, yeah. Rocky Rocky Three, um, an enormous box office uh, success, surpassed the gross of its predecessor, uh, earned 125 million dollars during its North American theatrical run, the fourth highest grossing film of 1982 with the worldwide box office standings at 270 million. Uh, Matt, we've done this before 
and I'm going to make you do it again. Rocky III was the fourth highest grossing movie of 1982. How many of the other top 10 highest grossing films of 1982 can you name? I should have practiced for this. Yeah, you you had to to know this was coming. Uh, Now, if you were paying attention, I'll give you a hint. If if you were paying attention earlier, I mentioned what songs competed with Eye of the Tiger for the Academy Award. Oh, yeah, that's a good. That's definitely a good hint. You 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 mentioned if you were listening to me talking, which I wouldn't if I were you. Was it was it from the Bodyguard? No, Bodyguard is a couple, no, Bodyguard is a couple years later. Bodyguard also um, two songs from Bodyguard nominated for best song, neither one in 1992. So you're about a decade off. Uh gosh. Okay. Um I'm assuming 1982 is is probably a big year for uh, big year for a lot of a lot of movies. I think did you say did you say Tootsie? Tootsie, there you go. Number 2, the second highest grossing movie of the year. Some reason I yeah I just remembered that uh yep and its song was nominated. You mentioned that. Um, other than that, I I don't have the foggiest. Was, I, I will say well the, here you go. The number one film, by far the number one film, an an early blockbuster in the age of blockbusters. Um, arguably a family film with a with a director who was moderately famous at the time and would go on to be enormously famous. The 80s. Yeah, early 80s. This is this is vintage Spielberg time. Uh-huh. Am I on the right track? Yes. The Goonies? He didn't direct The Goonies. He produced The Goonies. And no, it's not The Goonies. Well, you said you said oh, arguably family friendly. So I think Goonies I would say is arguably family friendly because people don't remember how um I guess I, I, <laughs> how, Matt, how inappropriate it is for kids. I'm going to give you that. This is a family film. It is not arguably. It is a family film. Okay. Spielberg family. Oh, this wouldn't be E.T., would it? It would be E.T. the extraterrestrial. Oh, right. Yeah. Nearly I, I'm th- just thinking that's that had to be the most famous thing Spielberg had done up until that point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, no, the year before um, Raiders of the Lost Ark had come out. Right. Um, but but basically around that same time, yeah, Jaws before it would have been. Oh, and Close Encounters came out in 77. So, no, he, he had a, a bit of a track record. Um, we, should, yeah. we should review E.T. I've never seen it. You've never seen E.T., I've never, Sean? Can you believe it? I've never seen uh, I want to do, I mean, seriously, because you, at one point, I believe, pitched a Spielberg bracket. And I would love to just do like yeah. a series, a Spielberg series, because I haven't seen a lot of his films. Sean, G- we should, we should do it. I'm going to, this is going to be really embarrassing, but would you like to know the Steven Spielberg films I have seen? The ones you, he directed. If you can count them on one hand, then that's. Something has to be correct. I, I don't even need a lot of fingers. Uh, here we go. Films he directed that I've seen. This is the honest to goodness truth. In chronological order. Raiders of the Lost Ark. The Terminal. Oh, Ready, oh, Player, no. Ready Player One. End of list. Sean. <laughs> what? I didn't even know he directed The Terminal. And for the record, I like The Terminal. That's a, fun, that's a, that's a nice oh, little man. movie. But yes, that's all of his I've oh. ever seen. It's it's really and of course Ready Player One. Yeah, it's very shameful. We need to have a an intervention here. That's oh, all you know I'm what? gonna say. I did see half of Amistad. Okay. Half of it? Yeah, the first half where they're on the ship, not the second half where they're in the court. I was supposed to watch it for a school assignment and I got bored, so I didn't finish it. <laughs> Cliff notes. I mean, time. it's not one of his most thrilling films, if I'm being honest. No, no, definitely not. Um, That's why you were watching it for a film class. Let's see here, Matt. Uh, the remaining highest grossing films of 1982, by the way, An Officer and a Gentleman at number three, Rocky at Rocky three at four, uh, followed by Porky's, Star Trek Two: Wrath of Khan, 48 oh, Hours, Khan. Poltergeist, uh, and Annie rounds it out. Annie. And yes, the you know I'm just not good. I'm not good with, with with dates. I'm not good with remembering dates and 
putting them to things. So. Oh, I couldn't do it either. I, I like making you do it. That's that's I, the fun uh, of it. I have now Googled it. Gandhi came out that year. Yeah, not a high grocer, but definitely a, a an award pleaser. Oh, Airplane 2. Again, not a not a not a great movie. Sophie's Choice. Tron. You ever see Tron? I've never seen Tron. Very good. I remember that from the Netflix days where you used to order them by mail, which I guess you can still do, but not many people uh, have that anymore. I remember getting it through mail. I love that for one, the record I Fight Club. I loved Netflix DVD by mail. I like that. Yeah, me too. I, I enjoyed that idea. It was it was very reminiscent of being in a like a you know a blockbuster situation where you go and rent a movie and then you're kind of you're stuck with it even if you don't like it. For, for it's like, me, it's too bad. For me, it was annoyingly three things. Uh, one. There was a span in like the early 2000s where they would put like the craziest stuff out on DVD because it was so cheap. And so you there was stuff on Netflix DVD that you like couldn't find online anywhere. And so I liked it for that. I'm a sucker for special features and DVDs are very easy to make duplicates of. So I would literally just get them in, make a copy and send it out immediately. I wouldn't even watch it then because then I just have a copy and can watch it later. So um, nice. I hope the I hope Netflix isn't listening. See that you could have redeemed yourself for your powerpoints right there, Sean. Bring in a couple of, of uh, those bootleg DVDs and sell them to people at school. Bootleg DVDs for everybody. Your rep, your rep goes way back, way back to back to the top. Yeah, but the issue is, way, I would. Way up. I, I, if I showed you, so I probably I only copied probably about thirty or forty films from Netflix DVD like that. If I showed you what those movies were. Boy, would you be disappointed in me. Boy, <laughs> would you be disappointed. Clearly they weren't Steven Spielberg movies. No, it's the most odd collection. It just absolutely bonkers. Movies you're like, oh, that's right. You're like, uh, can I just give you one example? Um, And I just remember this because I'm like, I, I keep wanting to throw it out and I don't know why I haven't. Of course, the 2008 uh, Angelina Jolie uh James McAvoy, Morgan Freeman vehicle. Stop me when you know what I'm talking about. Wanted. Remember Wanted? What? Wanted? Wanted. It was the movie where they would curve the bullets. That's what everyone remembers oh, from that God, movie. Yeah. But it's uh-huh. t- it's honestly just a total garbage, yep. like hard to follow, not good movie. Um. And uh, I have a copy of it if you're interested. I am not. I'm good. But okay. thank you. Okay. <laughs> the, the, the bullet curving really – I remember that from the trailers. Sean, I don't think this was a very good time for movies. 2008? I would say anywhere from like 2000 to 2010 was a bad time. That, there very was a bad decade that, were, that was bad for movies. Real bad time for movies, yeah. The, the other I don't day, think it really gets better until – the Avengers. Uh, someone reminded me the other day of the. Are you familiar with the 2006 film American Dreams? Dreams with a Z. No, it was that. Uh, no, I'm thinking of Cradle to the Grave. That's with Ice Cube. No, no this is was... radically different. Comedy film in which Dennis Quaid plays the president, a very George W. Bush type, um, who after uh, who they need to get out on a publicity tour to make him seem smart. Cause he's kind of a dumb guy. Uh, at the same time, there's American idol show called American dreams with a Z hosted by Hugh Grant. That show casts Mandy Moore as a contestant. The show gets the president to come on as a guest judge. And there's a middle Eastern contestant whose relatives get him to wear a bomb in the final episode to kill the president. This is a real movie they actually made. <laughs> What's it called? American American Dreams? Dreams. Yes, I was reminded of it the other day. Uh-huh. It's just it's just that kind of t- it's that, and it came out in two thousand six. It's just kind of that era of like, let's just throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks, and none of it did. Yeah, the two thousands were a terrible time for movies. Yep. 
I'll leave it there. I I uh, I don't really know. I guess the 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 most redeeming thing I can think of from that little time period was uh, Casino Royale. That was genuinely a yep. really good movie. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there, you know, I'm sure there were some good movies. I I can't imagine there were, um, you know, no good movies, right? Movies from the 2000s. I mean, I, I mean the issue was I, like that sort of like 03 to 05 was very uh, franchise heavy. Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Spider-Man. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, we move into that. Men in Black. Um, Shrek. When you look at like 07. Uh, yeah, again, the Transformers. Um, I mean, that that's that's what made the money. Everything else kind of sucked. Man, yeah. Twilight. This is a, this is a Avatar. Time. Woof. Rough time for movies, indeed. Oh. <laughs> yeah. A lot of good... You know what? Some of the best Miyazaki movies. Never seen those. Moving Castle. Never seen those. Spirited Away. That does not surprise me. I hear they're very good. If you haven't seen, you haven't seen most of uh, Steven Spielberg movies, then definitely haven't seen the 2000s movies. We should do an episode on 2000s movies. I haven't seen any of them. Just remembering how bad they are. Oh, like like actually like making a list of the worst. I that I would definitely yes. that I would definitely be into. Cool. Um Matt, we're just about out of time here on Rocky 3. Uh before we go, I want to give you I just thought of this mini challenge here, okay? We can't leave until you can name five movies I have seen. Um, okay. But yeah. they can't be movies we've talked about on the show before. They have to be honest. Okay. So don't say Star Wars because we know I've watched that or James Bond or, you know, they, they, they've got to be sort of unique guesses. All right, Sean. Ready for this? Yes. Star Trek Into Darkness. Okay, I saw that with you. That's cheating. That is not. You did wasn't in the rules. Star Trek Into Darkness, Looper. Okay, so I also saw that with you. We haven't seen five movies together. I do know that. The Eagle? Did you go and see The Eagle with me? I did. That was so bad. You owe yep. me the money for that ticket. That that was not <laughs> a good movie. That was not a good movie at all. Um Okay. Can Matt remember all the movies we've seen together? The Avengers. Did we go see The Avengers? I'm going to say maybe. I'll give you that one. That's four. I should have okay. said ten. Yeah, okay. Um, I can't think of any other movies we've seen together, so. So I've only got one more. I, that that might have been it. I think that, that might have been the, the max sum of movies that we've seen. Well, those are the ones we've seen in theaters, but let's see. Can I count G-Force? Can that be one yeah. of them? Yes, you can count G-Force. Jesus. I don't know why I do this. <laughs> That's right. I forgot we saw Looper. What an yep. odd, odd movie. Yeah, and then that guy went on to make a Star Wars. That's right. He did. Good for him. And, and you know, I did I did actually think about Into Darkness the other day. And I just remember watching, because I hadn't, I hadn't seen the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie. I hadn't seen anything about Star Trek. It was pretty confusing. Because obviously that's the one where Khan comes back and the yeah. whole thing. And I felt like I was supposed to know what was going on, and I never did. Yeah, those movies weren't great. Yeah. But that was before the days of the Star Wars sequels, and those movies were soul-crushing. So I liked Force Awakens. There you go, Sean. Anyway. That's for another day, Matt. Yeah, uh, that concludes. Force Awakens wasn't bad. No, it wasn't was a, bad. And but, actually, for the record, yeah, I like the Last Jedi as well. Different movie, interesting movie. Is it a great Star Wars movie? I don't know. Is it a good movie? I think it's a good movie. No, Rise of Skywalker's terrible. The answer is no, and the answer is it's, it's, it's a terrible movie. It is not. Rise, right, come bad, on, Last bad Jedi Star Wars is movie, not. bad movie. No, Last Jedi is a good movie. movie. Stop that. 
movie that was played it was plagued well, the best thing i can say about it is that it was plagued by unfortunate circumstances and i tr- in in that regard i will desperately try to give it the benefit of the doubt for the embarrassing tire fire that it truly was oh my god stop but that. stop that um that is a conversation for another day we did a whole episode uh, but on we the have last to give Jedi. a ranking oh that's right yes we've got to do a whole Yes, we have to see our, how many our system. What did we say? How many, rounds, how many rounds? Yes, out of fifteen rounds, how many rounds did Rocky three go? Um. Well, if going the distance was, I always forget this. Thirteen rounds. 15. Fourteen. How how long is that? Fifteen. Fifteen rounds to go in the distance. Um. You know, I'll say. Uh, Rocky three. Nearly goes the distance. It. Just gets knocked out in the 14th round by Pauly's uh, abrupt and misplaced racism. 14 out of 15 rounds. All right. Um, you know, it's it's when I think about what this scale measures, for me it measures how good of a Rocky film is it. It's not how good of a film is it overall compared to all other movies. To me, it's how good of a Rocky film it is. And to me, I don't... This is a really fantastic Rocky movie. I'm going to say it went the full 15 rounds. Nice. I'm going to say, I'm going to put, here we go. I'm going to put it this way. I'm going to say it went the full 15 rounds, but lost in a split decision. Wow. So uh, really the only way to beat it would be to win, to be, to win in a split decision or win in a unanimous decision. So I'm going to say it went all 15. It survived. It went the distance, but it lost in a split decision. It's weird because I can't think of any other movies like third third in the franchise that are this good. Uh, Spider Man Three. Usually for me, it's the it's the second. No, definitely not Spider Man <laughs> Three. <laughs> definitely not Spider Man Three. It's funny I can only think uh, of bad examples. Usually, it's it's it, the second one is the one that usually gets me. The sequel is usually my favorite, like Dark Knight, um, Empire Strikes Back. Temple of Doom. Yeah. Well, that's the bad example. Right. Well, maybe maybe there's your example there. I like I'm a very partial to the Last Crusade. Um That's the third third in the indie franchise. Toy Story 3 is very good. Toy Story 3 is very good. Um, yeah. Mission it Impossible is. Not my 3 favorite, is pretty good. It's very good. Yeah. I like I prefer 2 though. I would say Last Crusade. Last Crusade is a fine movie. Yes, I, I would say those are your examples there, and and Rocky Three. Do course. you consider Captain America: Civil War to be Captain America Three? No, that that gets weird. It's I mean, really it was, more of an Avengers third, movie. Yeah, and I I definitely prefer Winter Soldier. Um, I'm trying to think of other good examples. Oh, X, I, think you, X, I think you hit the nail on the X-Men head with Toy 3, Story. X-Men 3 <laughs> is terrible. Batman Forever is terrible. Huh. Pirates 3 was awful. Goldfinger, if you consider that the third James Bond film, which it is, that's a great movie. Yeah, Goldfinger is one of the best. I mean, they're not really I, sequential. I think this is where some franchises either really hit their stride or it's where they start to peter out and run out of ideas. Oh, God. Men in Black so maybe 3? It, maybe it really is a take it or leave it. Men in Black 3. <laughs> that's, oof. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the an example of the latter right there. Cars 3? I can, I can go all day with this, so I should probably stop. Um, Matt, <sighs> Die Hard 3? Meh, okay. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, Matt, Surprised you mentioned Lion King 3. Was there a Lion King 3? I don't think so. I hope to God there wasn't. Well, the funny thing is there was there was Lion King, there was Lion King 2, and then there was Lion King 1 and a half. But I don't know if they ever actually made Lion King 3. I really hope. Like Maybe I said, I straight really hope to VHS they, thing. they did not. Yeah. That, and all those, all those uh, Disney, Disney one-off Locked sequels. Locked away in the Disney vault. Like, yes, permanently. Um, we can hope. Uh, Lion King franchise. No, there wasn't. Uh, okay, anyhow, Matt, that is it for our look here at Rocky 3. We're going to be back next week with 
unsurprisingly, 1985's Rocky IV, which I'm very excited about. Uh, that's going to be a great movie. Probably the peak of this series. Um, and then it's going to be all downhill from there. Uh, Just remember, Sean, if, if I can change, you can change, then we could all change. Wow. What's, I should a get quote, quote I should, coming up from Rocky IV. I should get that on a coffee mug or something. That's really great. And Matt, <laughs> my quote to you, I pity the fool. Um, that's going to end it here. Of course, go to our website, upfordebate.tv. If you missed any of the previous Rocky movie episodes, uh, you probably have no idea what we're talking about. So go listen to those and you'll get caught up. Of course, you can subscribe wherever we get podcasts um, on any of the major podcast listening platforms. We're there. You can get a hold of us at upfordebate.tv on Twitter or email us upfordebate.tv at gmail.com. Uh, that's going to do it here. So on behalf of Matt, I'm Sean. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time for another Rocky film here on Up for Debate. This has been a Coffee and Beer production, executive produced by Matt Mariani and Sean Jennings. To learn more, visit coffeeandbeer.tv.